You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views and the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites. It is brought to you by Solaray Energy, designing and installing solar and storage solutions so you can run your electric vehicle the smart way on solar. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of The Driven Podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the founder and editor of The Driven, along with Renew Economy and One Step Off The Grid. And one of the most enjoyable things I think I've seen on the internet over the last couple of weeks, um, and particularly on YouTube, has been a series of videos which you may have read about or even seen yourself um, coal miners in Teslas, um, and it's about a bloke, Daniel Bleakley, who has taken his Tesla up to his home ground in the coal mining area of central Queensland, and um, well, we're going to hear about exactly what happened, but he's basically been taking a whole bunch of people out in his Tesla, giving them a bit of a drive, and um, allowing them to enjoy the acceleration and the other wonders of electric vehicles, and I'm delighted to welcome Daniel Bleakley to this podcast. Daniel, thanks for joining us. Great. Thanks very much for having me, Giles. Really appreciate it. So, look, these videos have been so much fun. The expressions on people's faces, um, you know, they're, uh, um, they swear a bit when they see just how fast this thing can accelerate. Um, let's just start off quickly. You've got a Tesla Model 3. I'm guessing it's not a standard range plus because it seems to be accelerating 0 to 100 in about three seconds. So is it a performance or a long range? What have you got exactly? Uh, yeah, it's a Model 3 performance that I've got. So they can do it in just a bit under three seconds. So they do have a bit of vim about them, don't they? They do. It's um, it's faster than a, than a Lamborghini off off the mark, pretty much. So <laughs> people, that's, yeah. that's shattering news to a lot of people who sort of you know, you know, who who are just so attached to fossil fuel cars. Yeah, actually, when I first got it, about a week after I had it, I had it in the Dandenong Ranges, and coming back, I um, was fortunate enough to come up to a set of. Uh, stop stoplights next to a Lamborghini um, and just burnt them off off the mark easily and they were really trying um, so that, that was that was uh, quite enjoyable <laughs> what color Lamborghini was it was it a yellow or orange or something like that because they're usually outlandish statements aren't they yeah I think this was a white one but the, the two guys in it um, yeah they were looking over and they were kind of confused that the look on their face they couldn't quite understand what had just happened um, but yeah, it was probably like a three hundred thousand dollar car against my uh, my Model Three. Yeah. Oh, well, they should be able to afford the therapy that follows. Um, yeah. It's a fantastic story. So look, <laughs> tell me about um, these videos. Um, what happened? How did it get going? And I guess this tells a lot about your personal story as well. Um, just 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 give it give us a yeah. Just just take us through it. Sure. So. Um, I've been a climate activist for about two years. Um, before that, I was uh, an engineer, mechanical engineer, and, and business owner. Um, I've okay, what, few... got you into climate, what got you into climate activism? Well, I've been interested in climate change for about 20 years. So I wrote my first letter to a politician um, about how concerned I was with, with climate change back in 2001, um, and that was when I was studying to be an engineer in, in Queensland and yeah I got some rubbish response back from the Queensland environment minister kind of fobbing me off and um, yeah then learned a lot more about 
climate change, I read Tim Flannery's book, The Weathermakers, in 2005. Um, but even back then, it, it still seemed like uh, a problem that was a long way off into the future. And so I never got into activism. I never joined a, a political party back then, but I, I did stay well across the, the politics and, and the science um, for, for many years. And then the last two years, um, seeing a lot of the, the recent reports that are coming out about how serious and, and urgent uh, this problem is becoming, I started to feel compelled to, to do something myself. And I was listening to a radio program a couple of years ago and they were interviewing some some school strikers, some, some of the Australian uh, school strikers, um, and they were just so articulate and well-spoken and, and, and passionate. And I just thought to myself, well, you know, if they can do something, then surely I can too. And so that's when I joined Extinction Rebellion a couple of years ago. Fantastic. And what got you into an EV? Uh, I've also been in, interested in electric vehicles for a very long time, and I've been following Tesla very closely for, for many years. Um, I'm a big Elon fan. I, I love the mission of Tesla and the culture. And um, yeah, as, as soon as the Model 3 became available in Australia, I put an order down for one. Um, I did go for the, as we said, I did go for the performance and you know, I'm, I'm not a particularly wealthy person. It was a stretch. It's been a stretch for me to, to buy this car but I wanted to buy it because I wanted to show it to as many people as I can and and let people experience how phenomenal electric vehicles are. So you had the idea right from the start that you're going to use this as a bit of like a a, a, a vehicle for, um, you know, a, a, quite literally a, um, a, a vehicle to spread the message. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, they have a saying, it's, all, it's just all about bums in seats and, that's just so true. I mean, you can explain to someone what it's like to, to drive an electric vehicle, but they'll never understand until they actually sit in one and, and, and drive it. So, yeah, and, and it's been it's been wonderful because, you know, we, we are at the start of an electric vehicle revolution right now. And it's it's such an honor and a privilege to, to be an EV owner and introducing people for their first time to to an EV. And it's something that I'll I'll look back on for the rest of my life. <laughs> so you come, I understand, from the um, from the central Queensland area, it's the coal mining area. So how did you, uh, where did the idea from coal miners and Teslas come from? I mean, I, I understand, I'm, well, I'm just guessing that um, you went back and visited your family and just decided to take, um, let a couple of them have a, have a bit of a spin. Yeah, but that was pretty much it. So I, um, I, I live in Melbourne and I was... I went up to my hometown for for a couple of weeks holiday. Um, it was my first trip home with with the Tesla, and it was great to see how it went over a long distance. You know, I, I stopped at all the supercharging stations on the way, and there were really no no problems at all. Um, I've been staying with my brother in Claremont, and he works at uh, one of the local coal mines in in the region, and um, he took the Tesla over for a swing, so he, he would work for a week and then come back for a week. So he took it to, to work for a week, and I just said to him, make sure you if, if you take some guys for a drive, make sure you video their reaction. And um, 
So <laughs> he he did, and the, so the the first night he they came off night shift, so it was early in the morning, and he he took a group of them for a drive, and you've probably seen the the video. It's the the guy with the his name's Mark, the guy with the the mullet and the the goatee. Yes, um, I was watching it this afternoon actually. <laughs> the three blokes in the back. Yeah, yeah. So that was the one that kind of kicked it off, and the clever thing that my brother did was he didn't he didn't take them for a drive first he literally put mark in the driver's seat and then they kind of drove slowly out to a a quiet road and then as you as you see in video he um floors it from 0 to 100 and so mark has no idea he literally has like no idea that he's about to experience lamborghini style acceleration more you know. <laughs> and that's when you see his face just lights up and it's um you can hear the guys in the back having a good laugh and yeah it's just a wonderful moment i think yeah i when when i first actually test drove a tesla uh way back in 2014 i think it might have been when the first model s came to australia and they took you out down near the fish markets and there was just like this about 400 meter stretch and they sort of you know, they you sort of drove slowly across the little um, bridge and then you just, they just came to a rest there and there's no traffic. And they just say, okay, just floor it until you get down to the roundabout. And you did it and they stopped and they pull over and they just say, that's what we call the Tesla smile. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and um, I'm not too sure whether they had a Tesla swear word or anything like that, but just the reaction of Mark's face is not only does he sort of, you know, a few profanities and um, if this and, and, and just amazement, but just look on his face afterwards, like he still can't quite believe he's actually done this or it's actually happened. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a moment after, on that video, there's a moment after he does the first um, acceleration, he kind of looks down and he kind of just shakes his head a little bit and you can see in his eyes he's he's just trying to process what just happened which is yeah the same for for anyone who on their first drive it's like what how is that possible like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as you say especially if they've just never heard about it before i mean have these guys heard of tesla before have they um have, have they read about it or it's just that information is just not seeping through um i think i think a, a lot of them have heard of tesla but they probably don't get much information on the the specs and the the performance i think um yeah one of the main reasons is because tesla don't don't advertise they're philosophically against advertising and mm. so um the just, mainstream just media, tweet. <laughs> yeah they just tweet basically <laughs> but like if, if you think about um if you think about you know channel seven channel nine channel ten they never show um or hardly ever show um stories about tesla and the reason is because those those media organizations um, derive hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue from major car manufacturers like toyota ford gm uh, volkswagen mm. etc and tesla is a threat to those companies um mm -hmm. tesla's the fastest gro fastest growing car company in history and um so it is a threat to the revenue streams of um commercial television and, and radio channels who advertise competing products so that's that's why you never hear about it on the on the mainstream media so mm -hmm. it's the tesla thing is all about word of mouth um yeah and and youtubes and, and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah what's been your favorite video so far 
Uh, my personal favourite is um, Guji. I think he's episode six or something like that. Um, the reason he's my favourite is because uh, I've known him since I was a kid and Guji's always had the fastest car in town. <laughs> so he's he's always <laughs> had like this incredible V8 um, that he's worked on and um, yeah, really knows his cars, really appreciates cars. And so to see him enjoying it so much, yeah, for me, that was really special. Is he the guy that went and, went and did it twice? Uh, he did, yeah, he did go twice, I think. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. I think, I think it was episode six. Yeah, yeah. And what about the high, highest the highest profile one, I guess, is Bob Catter. Um, and there's a bit of a story to that video too, isn't there? Yeah, so the Bob Bob Catter one was, was great as well. So um, I was in Mackay a few weeks ago staying at a friend's place and he had the idea. Um, he said to me, you should try and get Bob Catter in to drive it. And I said, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. So I, that weekend I put a tweet out and said, um, retweet if you'd like me to try to get Bob Catter into the driver's seat. I will dead set drive it to Charters Towers if he says yes. And um, <laughs> he, he, his, uh, his uh, chief of staff rang me a few days later and said Bob's keen. So I drove it from Claremont to Charters Towers, which is about 370 kilometres. And I didn't quite have... I had to leave on the Thursday because we were going to meet on the Friday. And I had a little over 400 kilometres charge. I didn't have a full charge when I left. Um, but I got to Charters Towers with 13 kilometres left on the charge. So it was a bit bit of an anxious but, but, drive. But, yeah, by, by, by which point the car's actually getting a little bit anxious too, isn't it? It's just sort of saying, charge now, charge now. Otherwise, what? <laughs> you run out. Yeah. Yeah, well, the car was telling me to drive at 90 k's an hour for, for a while as well to, to make sure mm. I'd get there. Um, and then when I got there, there's there's no um, fast charging stations in Charters Towers. So I had to run a lead um, out of my hotel room, like through the door. So I had to sleep with the door open overnight. So I had enough charge the next day so, so I could take Bob for a drive. <laughs> <laughs> We did that a couple. Of, we did that a few times actually. We did a, um, an EV trip, um, borrowed a Nissan Leaf around Tasmania, and uh, just basically did that. You know, quite often, just sort of um, uh, usually through the to to toilet window or something like that, and um, and for the charge out. But anyway, what, what did what did Bob Catter think of it? Did he did he actually drive it, or was he just sitting in the passenger seat? Uh, he was just in the passenger seat. Um, yeah, for that one, he I did offer him a drive, but he politely declined. But um, yeah, he he definitely enjoyed it. And uh, as you can hear in the video, and yeah, I spent a, spent a, about three three hours with him in charters, and yeah, it was a fantastic experience. Yeah, well, that's great. I've always said actually for the last couple of years that we could probably solve most of the electric vehicle policy issues in Australia just by taking a couple of Teslas or a whole bunch of them down down to the uh, down to Canberra, and um, just getting people to drive them, just let the politicians drive them, and just see for themselves how wonderful they are. Because we've just heard so much rubbish um, over the last couple of years about how it's going to ruin the weekend and can't do this and they can't do that. But really, until these guys actually get to sit in one and drive one and just experience how great they are, um, they're just not going to know. Yeah, exactly. I think I think as EV drivers, like you often make the assumption that um, 
people already know or understand what you understand, but actually they don't. And you, you're probably the same as me. I, you know, I knew about Tesla a lot. I knew a lot about Tesla, but it wasn't until I went for that test drive, and I also drove a Model S in in Melbourne, you know, many years ago. And then and then you get it. Then you're like, wow, this is this is incredible. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that could be a election winning strategy if we just get more <laughs> bums in seats. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well, it's interesting. There, there is actually one com car now is a Tesla Model 3, and I think it might be a performance car. Um, and I'm not too sure where that is situated, but it is interesting to note that one coalition MP, Katie Allen, I think she's the member for Higgins, I think, in, in Victoria. She's actually gone out and bought herself a Model 3. I still wonder whether it is because she might have had a sat in the back of one um, as a com car. So, um, you know, as more and more of them get a lift and they might um, they might get engaged. Now, how has this changed the thinking of um, the people that you know um, up around Claremont and in coal country? I mean, do they just sort of say, oh, that's a great gimmick, that's amazing, didn't know that, and then just sort of keep on going? Or they just sort of has, has that sort of changed the way they kind of think about things now? It's a really good question, and I can't, I can't like, speak for everyone because I, I just don't know how everyone feels about it now, but the impression that I get is... Um, that it has um, had a real impact. I've, I've spoken to a few of the people I've taken for drives a, a few days later, and they're still buzzing and they're still asking more questions about Tesla. And yeah, I know from other friends that I've taken here in Mackay, they'll go for a drive and then they'll spend two or three hours that night Googling Tesla, Googling electric vehicles and looking at YouTubes, etc. Um, so I don't think there's any gimmick element about it. I think it's the real deal, and I think, yeah, people. I think I think it really genuinely changes people's view after they've been for a drive. Yeah, I guess there are two concerns about the whole energy transition. One for many people is um, what sort of jobs they get to have um, in 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 the in and during and after the transition. And second is the lifestyle that they might have um, after the transition. So it's nice to know that um, they're not going to live in caves, as they're often told, um, in the renewable energy transition with lights out and everything like that, that um, new technologies can be quite exciting. Um, I guess the fundamental thing, though, particularly in the coal mining area, is um, is, is what the jobs look like for them as those as, as those mines transition away and i guess that's the that's the hard part of the um that's, that's the hard part of the whole politics and the, and, and, and and sort of the social push for change isn't it yeah that's that's right and the the jobs that these people that people in these communities will or will not have in the future will be determined by the decisions that we make today on what we invest in and where where we invest in it there's nothing there's nothing stopping the federal government from dropping billions of dollars into regional australia to develop renewable technologies and and sustainable industries whether that's manufacturing renewables whether it's in installation and maintenance or other associated industries um, Minerals for batteries, refining, refining minerals for batteries, and or even manufacturing batteries. There is no reason why we can't do that in Australia. Um, we used to make cars in this country. We had, you know, four uh, car manufacturing plants in Australia. 
there's no reason why we can't make things here. Yeah, it's been framed that we need the coal industry for these regions, and that's a lie. That is not true. Um, we can create the industries of the future right here. It, uh, all it takes is political willpower to, to do it. Mm -hmm. It was pretty frustrating in the last federal budget. Um, um, there, was, there, were, there was very little for renewables. There was very little for climate. There was some for sort of fossil fuel um, um, subsidies, and then we found out two weeks afterwards, apart from that sort of crazy sort of gas plant idea at Curry Curry, there's also $2.5 billion or $2.3 billion for the two um, oil refineries to keep on going. And then since then, we find out that that money is probably just going to go straight back to shareholders in a, in a share buyback or a dividend payment or something like that. So it was hardly ever needed. Do you have any sort of feeling about why there is this opposition to this? I mean, did Bob Catter give any insight into that? Or do you get any insight from talking to, to Bob Catter? I mean, it seems so obvious to people um, that there is this potential. And you're absolutely right, I think, in saying that it comes down to the decisions that we make now or very soon as to how Australia sort of evolves and, and manages that transition. But there just seems to be this massive resistance against it. Yeah, I mean... The only, the only answer I can think of as to why this is happening is corruption and influence of the fossil fuel industry over the Australian government. The, the fossil fuel industry gets billions of dollars every year of public money and renewables gets hardly anything. I mean, it's, that in itself has, has got to raise so many questions. I mean, last year, the fossil fuel industry received something like 10 billion in subsidies and and tax breaks etc um that's that's our money like that's 10 billion less that we have in you know to spend on on other things now the coal industry employs about 40,000 people across australia and you could pay you, if you paid every one of them 40 every one of those 40,000 people if you paid them $100,000 that would be $4 billion in a year. So with that $10 billion that was given to the coal industry last year, that could pay the entire coal workforce for two and a half years, right? Mm. So where, where, is that, where is that money going? I mean, when you're subsidising the industry more than double the amount that it costs for, for, their, for the entire labour force, something's not right there. That's goes back goes back to what you were saying before about um, the TV channels. Um, they're so invested with the mainstream car manufacturers, some of whom are going towards electric now, but they kind of want to do it at their own pace. That they don't actually talk about Tesla. So maybe it's that weight of money that's just influencing on the government, that weighing on the government. Yeah, potentially. I think I think that. Um, there are so many fossil fuel industry lobbyists in Canberra and in in Parliament as well. I mean, Matt Canavan's brother is a large shareholder in Ralston coal mine. Um, so Matt Canavan's family is heavily invested in the coal industry. So that's going to influence his his decision making as a senator um, in Australia's Parliament. Uh, mm. That's and it's not just Matt Canavan. There's many many parliamentarians with close ties to the coal, oil and, and gas industry. So, and a lot of them get there because they've got funding from donations from the fossil fuel industry as well. So 
as long as the two major parties are receiving donations from coal, oil and gas companies, our democracy is being skewed. It's, 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 it's being rigged by the fossil fuel industry. So we're not, decisions aren't being made in the interest of, of Australians. Decisions are being made in the interest of the fossil fuel industry and, and the oil, gas and coal companies. Hmm. Yeah. Going back to the coal miners um, up in Claremont, um, do you reckon they're going to go out for um, some of these electric utes which are on the on the on the on the way? We've um, we've seen the Ford 150 ute that Joe Biden got to drive, and um, he was pretty enthusiastic about it. Um, there's the Rivian ute, which is possibly on its way, might be the first to arrive in Australia, and of course there's the Tesla Cybertruck. Do you reckon they'd go for that? Uh, absolutely. I know there's a lot of talk about the, the Cybertruck in in Claremont and my friend who I've been staying with here in Mackay, um, when I took him for a drive a couple of weeks ago, um, so he and I studied engineering together um, and he'd also heard about Tesla, but he'd never driven one, took him for a drive. And then within like two hours of getting home, he'd placed an order for a Cybertruck online. Um, and then he screenshot his, uh, the, the order confirmation and posted it on his Facebook. And then one of his cousins posted a, his own screenshot of, a, of an order as well. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of cyber trucks in Australia in a few years time. I've heard that Australia is the, um, the Australia has the most pre-orders of cyber truck outside of America, outside of the US mm. in, in the world. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, just sort of seeing the um, um, all the tradies around here and um, how much they love their utes and um, they like the power of them. And I just think, geez, they got inside an electric vehicle and they had an electric ute and it's charging capabilities and the fact that you can take it away and you can power your tools and you can power your house and um, God, you can you can pretty much do anything. Um, I just think it's going to be a no-brainer. And yeah, and they're not actually going to be that much more expensive than the current utes they're getting now. And considering most of them actually buy their utes on sort of three or four year leases, um, it's just going to be a, it's going to be such a no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. As soon as people start looking at the specs, um, they're, they're going to go for for an electric ute for sure. Um, I think mm. I think it's going to be difficult for Ford and GM. Uh, I know Ford's releasing its its electric truck but even that next to the cyber truck um the specs on the cyber truck are just phenomenal um so it'll be interesting to see if ford and gm can keep up with with tesla also the design if you if you put a an f truck next to the cyber truck um i know the cyber truck can be quite jarring for some people to look at but um (laughs) i think i think we'll get used to it pretty quick and I, i think people will really start to love it and it, uh, other like F-150s will start to look really outdated next to the next to the Cybertruck. Oh, interesting call. Yeah, that's my prediction. <laughs> that's your prediction. That's fair enough. No, no, absolutely. So look, uh, what's next on your, what's next on your agenda either for, um, um, are you going to get every coal miner in central Queensland to have a drive of your Tesla or you got other little projects ahead of you? Uh, it's, it's hard to say at the moment each day, I'm just kind of taking it as it comes. There's been a lot of media generated, um, around it. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay up here for another couple of weeks. Uh, I'm going to take more, uh, people from the community for, for drives. I'm going to reach out to some of the mayors, um, and other politicians in the region. 
I'm also reaching out to some sports stars and and, and other prominent prominent figures around the place to, to see if they're keen for a drive. And ultimately, um, well, I'm, 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 I've also set up a, a Patreon account and I'm, I'm trying to crowdfund um, some finance to keep this project going. Ultimately, I'd like to um, take the car to te uh, regional towns around Australia um, from now until the federal election and just try to take as many people as possible for drives, um, film some of the reactions, maybe have some longer format interviews in the car. So it might be like a half an hour chat with people um, about clean technology and electric vehicles and, you know, the kind of future that Australia could have. Um, so we've, I've already received quite a few um, uh, Patreons who are willing to, to back me with a few bucks a month. So if I can get if I can get that up a bit higher, then I think it's definitely it's going to be definitely possible to to make this uh, like a full time gig until the election. Sorry, I just had the mute button on again. Um, that's a cracking idea, um, and and good luck with that. And um, yes, I can think um, maybe you sort of go to the regional towns. You could probably take out the editor of the local newspaper. You could take out the mayor. Um, any other loud voices in it? And if you're around Yes or Goulburn Way, you can possibly take out the um, Federal Energy Minister because he doesn't seem to get electric vehicles either. So, um, yeah, has there been anyone? apparently, oh, sorry, I was going to say, apparently his office is only 300 metres from the Tesla charging station. Oh, is that right? Oh, well, I've been yeah. that close to him. Yes, because I've I've actually stopped that uh, st stopped at that um, charging station many a time. Actually, on my way down to see my mum yeah. down in Canberra, and on the way back, and um, I didn't realise it was that close. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> is it, have you taken anyone out in the, for, for for a spin and they haven't liked it? Ah, uh, no, <laughs> that's an easy answer. <laughs> <laughs> not a single uh, person, not a single person gets out of the car disappointed. Um, uh, everyone, everyone's expectations are succeeded. Um, yeah, but by a long way, even, even people who've heard about the car or watch YouTubes and know that it's fast, they, it's still, you, you, nothing prepares you for, for the, the actual experience. It's like someone telling you how good a roller coaster is. Um, but you never actually get how good a roller coaster is until you've been on one. I guess that's the best way to explain it. <laughs> well, don't go on a roller coaster. Just get in a Tesla and hop in and um, and have a drive. And um, look, um, for those who can't be up in um, coal country, um, getting a drive of your Tesla, Daniel, um, there's, um, there's lots of places you can get test drives, either with Tesla or some of the other manufacturers who have electric cars available. Um, it's worth going down and trying them out. Um, Daniel, look, good luck with your Patreon um, fundraising and good luck with your campaigns with um, with uh, Extinction Rebellion. And also, hopefully, you get your project and, and get to take your Tesla around the country. And um, congratulations on a fantastic initiative. Thanks very much, Giles. I, I really appreciate it. And yeah, thanks for having me on the show. No worries. Okay, bye for now. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by Solaray Energy. Solaray Energy has been designing and installing solar and storage solutions for electric vehicle owners since EVs first arrived in Australia. There's a smarter way to run your EV from Solaray. Visit solaray.com.au forward slash the driven.